<laughs> All right, so you ready then? <clears throat> yep. You got to warm up your voice, Any? Do a little verbal gymnastics. <laughs> me, 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 me. <laughs> uh, all right, we're good now. Okay. All righty. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the LO Gaming Podcast. I personally don't know what to do with myself because I'm actually recording another episode uh, a week after recording a previous episode, which hasn't happened in a very long time. So we're going from famine to feast here, and I'm really worried that I'm going to start spoiling our audience by being this consistent. So, but <laughs> that aside, welcome to the LO Gaming Podcast again, and joining me, joining me once more is my brother john hello brother so uh yeah i mean i was kind of surprised when you uh reached out to me and said that you'd be willing to do a nintendo direct uh react uh reaction to the recent nintendo direct so yeah so thanks for coming coming back on it's i really appreciate it well yeah you know i'm i'm more of the nintendo guy so uh i was definitely uh very excited about the direct yeah, I mean, it's like when I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, okay, so it would really be nice to do a reaction to this, but I'm probably not going to be able to get one out and even get somebody on to react to it soon enough to where it'd be relevant. But when you reached out, I was like, well, that would be cool. <laughs> and knowing that, you know, you are the self-professed Nintendo guy, I mean, it was just perfect, right? So, Right, yeah. That perfect storm uh, that we got going but anyway so uh why don't we just uh go ahead and get on in it then right all right all right so the nintendo direct happened back uh on february 17th and got some very mixed uh responses from the audience a lot of people it seems like uh, the local majority were pretty disappointed but uh but for me personally i i thought it was a really good one i don't know how you felt about it yeah, definitely. I thought it was great. Um, there were several titles, which we're going to get into, but uh, several titles that I'm really, really, really excited about. And uh, overall, uh, I wasn't disappointed at all uh, with the Direct. So, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can understand where people are kind of, you know, kind of disappointed by things, but I think people should know by now that we're dealing with Nintendo here. They're <laughs> they're not necessarily out there to uh, not to be people pleasers. I guess, I guess that would be the deal, right? Yeah, they kind of do their own thing and and that has backfired on occasional uh, on on occasion, but typically I think if you look back uh at the history of Nintendo, most of their decisions have ended up paying off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I th personally, it's like when when I think of Nintendo, I mean, I, I, I've thought of this for a long time, like a long time ago, is that when you think about Nintendo, you can't think of them in the same way that you think of the Xbox brand or the PlayStation brand. They're just not they're just not doing that kind of business, you know, and really people just need to start seeing them um, for what they are, not so much for what they think they should be, you know. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely think so. And um, although I will say that I, I feel like uh, some of the, uh, um, uh, I'm going to say the controversy about the things that they do uh, is partly because I, f- I feel like they really cater to the Japanese audience a lot more than like, for example, Sony does. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the, the, their style of business is, I think, makes a lot more sense from a Japanese way of thinking. Um, and I think a lot of people in the world <laughs> probably need to realize that this is, in the end, a Japanese company. Um, and most of their games, most of their developers are Japanese companies. And they're just not going to think the same way or necessarily have... Uh, you know, the interests of the international community always at the top of their priority list. Um, And I think this direct actually is a good representation of that because you see a lot of titles uh, that are, that were announced uh, or were highlighted in this direct that really fit pretty good with the Japanese gamer. Uh, And of course we'll get into that in a minute, but. Yeah. And you also said that um, uh, before we started, you mentioned to me that, you know, there are two different directs that they have one for the for the Western, more traditional uh, video game audience. But they have a separate one direct, uh, basically focused right at the Japanese audience. Right. The directs they release, too. So they release one uh, for international audiences and one for Japanese audiences. And of course, the primary reason that they do that is because they have games that are just for Japan only that probably would never get localized uh, into English uh, or other languages. Um, so, for example, like they had a, a couple of train simulator, simulator games and they had a, a Japanese uh, baseball game based on their league over here. Um, so there were actually a lot. I didn't take count, but it felt like there were a lot more games that were announced in the Japanese direct than in the uh, international direct. Right. And and you said that, you know, it's like in that Japanese direct that would show things like train simulators and, um, you know, local baseball uh, games and different and different things that are more uh, more directly, uh, you know, in relation to the Japanese culture. Right. Right. Appealing to Japanese audiences. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just having this fun. I just this fun image in my head of someone on a train playing their switch and it's a train simulator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this I guess is like this inception of train within a train within a train going on. <laughs> it's just right. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I think it, it happens because we, we've got train simulators already. I think this is like um, the newest one in a series of train simulators. Yeah, so no, it, like, oh, you probably already got people doing that. But yeah. And it's like, oh, what? People like, love trains the, here. like, like yeah. the uh, 20th, you know, rendition of that in, in that series yeah. dating all the way back to the um, NES or something. I don't know how far it goes back, but it's a long series. I've known about it ever since I've been in, here in Japan. I've never tried them, but um, it's a it's a pretty well known uh, series, um, and I'm I'm sure there are portable versions of it already. So you've got people on the trains doing that now. Yeah. But uh, Japanese people love their trains. Um, you'll see people if you go down to the train station. You've always got people taking pictures of the trains as they go by. Uh, just random people and sometimes mm-hmm. they'll bring like super expensive cameras and set it up on their um you know like on a tripod and spend hours just taking pictures of the trains as they go by um it's a 
it's a big hobby for a lot of people here. Well, I can understand why. I mean, it's like uh, the train is such a big part of just Japanese way of life. You know, I mean, yeah. I'm re- I remember when we were over there to visit, you had a little kid's book uh, based on different kind of trains and I was looking through it and I was just like thinking, oh my goodness, the, the, the trains in this, in this little child's book was just blowing my mind because it's like they were showing <laughs> trains with suites on them, you know, with televisions and bathrooms and bathtubs. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but but yeah, this right. is... <laughs> We've even got a train that's... Uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, we've even got a train that's got like um, uh, a miniature uh, hot spring on it for you to just you just put your feet in it. But yeah, it's got... Uh, they call it Ashiyu, uh, which is a hot spring for your feet. And so while you're riding <laughs> the train, you can put your feet in this... It's I mean, obviously it's not natural because it's a train, but uh, it's a man-made uh, hot spring within the train, so... Okay, this is uh. <laughs> this is blowing my mind right here. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's like from my perspective, I'm just thinking it's like bullet trains. Awesome, bullet trains are awesome. The technology behind the bullet train, everything like that, awesome. And now you're telling me all this stuff about sauna. Yeah, you're just uh, you scratching know. the surface there. I'm <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> well, I mean, we can go on trains forever, but you know, we, we got uh, other things to talk about, but right. <laughs> maybe we can start a, maybe we can start a train podcast some down somewhere down the world, but <laughs> yeah, probably not. Probably not. No, but <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll do an episode just directly focused on Japanese trains, but regardless, well, well, I guess we'll just start at the beginning with the direct. So the very first thing that they start out with, it was kind of a funny little uh, cinematic for Xenoblade 2. Um, I'm not super familiar with Xenoblade Chronicles series, but um, it almost seemed like they were making a Xenoblade announcement of some kind for those, those games. But uh, ultimately, it ended up being a reveal for the new character for the Smash Brothers game. On Switch, and that was Pyra and Rethra. Is that how how it is? Uh, I think so. Um, their names are different in Japan, that's, that's um, true. so that's... I'm not 100 percent sure. Uh, in Japan, they're called Hikari and Homura, right? Um, so uh, I think it's Pyra and Mithra. I'm not 100 percent sure. Yes, it is Pyra and Mithra. Yeah, I have it right here. But um, okay, but yeah, uh, I'm not really. I haven't really been in the Smash. Uh, games for a couple of years now and they just keep on bringing out all these characters i mean the roster is just monstrous right now and yeah quite honestly i don't know how you even pick a main character uh, in in that series anymore (laughs) but but anyway how do you feel about these characters um well first of all i was i was a little bit disappointed but not for the reason that I think our listeners might think. Um, I was disappointed because I really, really like these characters, and I'm glad they're being added to Smash Bros. The reason why I was disappointed was um, Nintendo sent me an email. They sent out their newsletter that you know they've done their direct, and um, in the newsletter, as soon as you open up the newsletter, it's got like bullet points for some of the main. <laughs> um, uh, uh, main things that were that were announced, and so as soon as you open up the email, it has Hikari and Homura, uh, Homura um, hmm. right there as being introduced into Smash, and I'm like, 
you know, there's no there's no mention of a spoiler in the title or anything, but uh, I really wanted to see that announcement in the direct, mm. uh, and I ended up finding out about it first from the email. So I was oh. like, oh, you ruined it. You ruined it. <laughs> um, so... Because uh, I know that you know after after the direct was was released, I went on YouTube and looked at a few other um, uh, like YouTuber reactions uh, who are like streaming in real time or were streaming in real time during the event, and uh, a lot of them were like, "Oh, is this a new Xenoblade game? Oh, is this a new game? Is this is this DLC?" And then she pulls out the invitation, and they're like, "Oh my God, it's it's yeah. Smash Bros." I wanted to be like that, but I couldn't. They robbed me of that <laughs> reaction um, by uh, by having it right in the email. So, uh, so I'd already knew known before I, I turned on the direct that that uh, was going to be part of the uh, uh, the direct. Um, but I'm really glad. Um, I really love these. I don't know if you call them separate characters because they're actually the same right. identity. It's kind of like this split personality thing. Um, but I really like, uh, this character and, um, you know, the Xenoblade Chronicles, as I've mentioned, uh, in the last episode is part of the Xeno series, which is one of my favorite series of all time. Right. And you've got Xenogears, Xenosaga, Xenoblade, and they're not really connected to one another story wise. They just kind of carry that same spiritual, I mean, it's like the spiritual successor, I guess you'd call it. Um, but Chronicles 2 is an excellent experience and uh, definitely one of the best rpgs on the switch um and um you know so when this announcement came out um i I really couldn't have been happier i know a lot of people were were disappointed because if you look at like top lists of most wanted characters um online you'll see that most people in the world want like crash bandicoot or um sora from kingdom hearts um they're not really wanting another standard sword using character um but for me as the rpg guy um i really couldn't have been any happier uh with this uh especially when you consider that they just announced sephiroth the last time uh so you're going from one of my favorite series in final fantasy to another of my uh, favorite series in the xenoblade um it was uh it was almost like too good to be true right um so well uh, now i will say yeah i will say though when i went back and watched because i wanted to watch the english version of the direct so that i could prepare for this podcast and um i was absolutely horrified by the english dub (laughs) for these characters uh it's the first time i'd ever heard the english voices uh but especially for the character rex uh, he's got this like northern English accent, yeah, and it just uh, it just sounded horrible. Well, in my opinion, this is the interesting part. The, the Xenoblade Chronicle series has a very interesting uh, history, uh, way back when it was when when it was first coming out on the Wii, and that's because it N- Nintendo for some reason they kind of flip flopped on whether they were going to bring it over to to North America, and so really they weren't. I think initially they weren't even intending to bring it over to North America because they um, didn't use, you know, North American voice actors. Uh, But it was going to be released in Europe. So they basically hired a European localization team. So I think all in in Xenoblade's Chronicles, like pretty much almost everybody in that game uh, or the majority of them had um, uh, uh, some kind of British dialect that they were speaking in. So... Uh 
And because of that, you know, that kind of carried on into uh, for the rest of uh, the series, the Chronicles series games. So, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting piece of history right there, which it's neither here or there. But but yeah, I mean, it, well, it's, I, I, it is kind of <laughs> jarring not being familiar with the Xenoblade Chronicles games that when I saw that character, I had no, no idea who he was or what he was related to. Uh, but then hearing the voice coming out, even for me, I was like, wow, that is not the voice that I would fit to that face. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And that, I mean, it's not at all what his Japanese voice sounds like. Um, <laughs> it's like, what? I thought I was going to be in Smash. <laughs> like, um, so I was really, really shocked by that. Uh, now, I mean, I will say, though, it wasn't as bad as the English dub for Breath of the Wild. Um because when right. I went back and got, I got curious about what the English dub sounded like right. and watched YouTube videos of that, I, I could not, uh, I, I just could not do um, Princess Zelda's uh, English dub. It, it was just, at least this character apparently is an actual British actor um, for Rex. Right. Uh, unlike Zelda uh, in Breath of the Wild, who is... Uh, a North American person yes. trying to sound like they're from England. So right. at least right. it's an upgrade over that, but still, yeah. uh, I thought it was a huge mismatch for the character. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you're, you're pretty much uh, pretty high on the new uh, smash fighter then. Yeah, I am. And I think, um, and this is another instance where Nintendo is maybe catering a little bit more towards their Japanese audiences um, because this character was really high on most wanted lists over here in Japan. Mm. Uh, I think if you look at lists over here, she was in the top three right. uh, for a character's most wanted. Uh, if you go to like international lists, she's more like 20 <laughs> on yeah, the list, yeah. but uh, very, very highly wanted character over here. Um, so, uh, and again, I think, um, you know, Twitter or YouTube was uh, you know, just exploding with all these uh people complaining about you know yet another japanese rpg character yet another sword user um and i can understand that mm-hmm. i can definitely understand that but japanese audiences are completely down with it <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know, so <laughs> okay all right um, well moving on from that game uh the next thing they showed was a trailer of uh, a cinematic trailer for a game that I'm very familiar with being a PlayStation guy, and that is Fall Guys. Uh, do you know anything about Fall Guys? Uh, I know a little bit about Fall Guys. I've watched uh, some YouTubers play uh, or stream uh, Fall Guys. Uh, it's not really a game that I could see myself spending a lot of time with, um, but I know it's huge right now, and uh, I definitely think there will be a big audience for it on the Switch. You've got a lot of... Uh, um, gamers out there that are playing the switch especially people that that i know personally that i think fall guys would just uh um be completely down uh, yeah. their aisle as far as uh, the games that they like to play so i think it'll be huge yeah fall guys was when it first came out it was a playstation plus game uh so it was free to just start up and play and man immediately it just grabs you it is some of the best fun and immediately when you start playing you immediately feel like you're playing a nintendo game I mean, it's just so appealing. And really, it's what I've always wanted, you know, Mario Party to really be more like, because I was always more interested in Mario Party's mini games uh, than I was uh, the actual board game aspect. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, it's basically what I've always wanted Mario Party to be. Now, 
it 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 is a battle royale style game. Every every every, every little fall guy for themselves. And yeah, I mean, I think everybody should just try it if they can. Uh, I'm I think it's kind of unfortunate that uh, on Nintendo you're gonna have to pay for it in order in order to actually give it a try. I, I wish there was a free way for people to just get it on their Switch and to actually play it because I, I think everybody should have a chance at this game. I, I I really enjoy it. I don't play it as much as I used to. Um, the thing about Fall Guys, even though that they've gotten a lot of content up, updates over over the past year. Uh, from you know holiday events to different themes like a a, a knights, um, like a medieval knight theme. Uh, they did a doom, uh, a doom theme uh, that went on for a while. Uh, they did Valentine's theme just recently, but yeah, I mean there's a, there's a lot to like about the game. It's very easy to pick up and play. Um, you, you can be screaming in joy and in fury all within this within 30 minutes so <laughs> but it's really easy to just to pick and just die pick it back up start all over again i mean it's just really good fun pick up and play so i'm really excited that it's on <laughs> switch and um yeah if you ever get a chance give it a try and yeah so yeah go ahead I, i'm just trying i'm just trying to imagine a, a doom <laughs> oh doom uh, event doom. for that game yeah oh and they also released different costumes like they had a godzilla costume where it's okay. like, yeah, is it was an officially licensed Godzilla branded costume, and the Fall Guy had a Godzilla head on top of it. And of course, you can see his face uh, through Godzilla's chest, but it's like he also had two cars in his hands when he ran around. <laughs> it was just okay. a lot of fun, but yeah, it's like they had a uh-huh. uh, a Doom Slayer outfit, and the levels uh, that they released, um, uh, the little mini games they released, were all like like doom themed as well. So yeah, it, it was, it was pretty funny to look at, but, and they also had a Sonic, um, uh, a Sonic outfit, which looked pretty funny, <laughs> but, but yeah, now that, you mentioned that it's not going to be free this time. Uh, did, was there a price point mentioned in the direct that I just, you know, I didn't even see a price point. All I saw was the release was stated was slated for summer. And as far as I can tell, there's not a free, from from everywhere I looked, it didn't mention if it was free or pay. I'm assuming that it's just going to be nine ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine or something like that. So okay, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, slated for summer this year. So um, uh, keep an keep an eye out for that if that's something you uh, think you'd enjoy. Uh, next up, they showed another game which I played on PlayStation back in 2019, and that was the Outer Wilds. Now, this game got a lot of um, confusion with another game with a very similar name called Outer Worlds. So a lot of people would be getting the titles mixed up when they were talking about one or the other. But this is Outer Wilds. And um, yeah, it, it's Outer Wilds is basically, you remember the movie Groundhog's Day? Yeah. Yeah, well basically oh, yeah. basically that's you. You're stuck in a time loop. Um you're an astronaut stuck in a time loop and you're not human, you're an a- you're an alien species and basically you have this lunar lander that you can take and just take off uh, from that planet and the whole purpose of the game is to go around uh your solar system and kind of 
solve a mystery that keeps on going, uh, that unfolds as you're exploring the universe. And what's really great about it is that it just ticks all the boxes of exploration for me. I mean, you have all this mystery, you have all these little smattering of clues of past civilizations and the puzzle solving, and you have 22 minutes. Each loop takes about 22 minutes because after 22 minutes, the sun that, um, that of, of your solar system literally go, literally goes supernova and it wipes everything out. And then you wake up right where you started the game. And through that time loop, you're just basically just trying to solve the mystery, uh, of why everything's going supernova, um, of the past civilization that seemed to have been there that were trying to make it to a certain spot. I don't know, but yeah, it, it's a really good, if you're into adventure games where you no, nothing's holding your hand, you're, you're going off exploring, trying to uncover, you know, what happened. It, it, it I, I can't recommend it enough. It, it is a fantastic game. So, yeah, I think this game has won like all kinds of awards, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah, yeah, a lot um, of indie awards. Um, and plus, when you think about it on a technical level, I mean, it's just it's something to marvel at, just how they figured out how 22 minutes is the perfect timing for them to get a run, how the planets have different environments. And uh, like they have one planet where it's like it's got a moon or basically they're just a pair of planets that just rotate around each other. And as they rotate they're they've got this um, gravitational pull where one planet's pulling the sand off of the other planet, like an hourglass. Mm -hmm. And as the sand um, gets pulled off of one planet, it it reveals ruins underneath. And on the other planet, it's burying things that you need to investigate. So it's like you're in this, um, time crunch to go no the sand it's it's gonna it's gonna cover this and i need to need to explore that cave or right or it's like i need to wait for the sand to you know go down enough to where i can investigate this ruin but the thing is is that you're also under the 22 minute crunch and that and that um uh, the sand from these two planets literally acts as an hourglass so it's like you know what how much time you have left by how much sand there is on those planets. So <laughs> it's it right it's exactly very fascinating. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got another yeah. like it it's just so it's just the best in science fiction when it comes to just exploring new planets, new worlds, figuring out how they work and <laughs> it's just wonderful. It, it just if you're an right. explorer by heart, it, it's your type of game. Uh-huh. So yeah, just looking at it, because I have not actually had the opportunity to, to try it yet, but um, it, it almost reminds me of a mix between, like, um, Mist and um, the the kind of looping time aspect of Majora's Mask, mm. um, where you're in this world where you're trying to figure out, um, you know, the, the mysteries, and then but you've still got the pressure of, of having to do it within a certain amount of time. Right. Um, now, typically, I don't really like games that put pressure on you like that with those time limits. Yeah. Um, you know, having to do something within a certain amount of time, it just kind of stresses me out. But uh, I'm definitely intrigued by it, and uh, we'll have to try it out. Um, I, I might try it out, uh, maybe not on the Switch, but 
uh, maybe on the PC sometime in the future. Yes, yes, I highly recommend it. Um, I, I, I'm sure it'll probably go on a Steam sale or wherever it goes on sale eventually. But um, but yeah, super super excited that it's coming to the Switch. Uh, wish it came to the Switch sooner because I would have played it on it on that platform. But yeah, you know, it is what it is. Well, and one good thing about it coming out on the Switch is that at least over here in Japan, it will be the the only way or the you know the most prominent way that most Japanese gamers would be able to play it because mm. um, I know it's you know obviously on Steam, but there's not a lot of PC gamers here in Japan, right? Um, and comparatively speaking, there are a whole lot more Switch gamers than there are PlayStation gamers mm. here. Um, so this will be opening it up. It'll be the first time for a lot of people here in Japan to be able to try the game. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see how well it does on the uh, the Japanese market. Yeah, and that game's coming out this summer as well. Not an, No exact date, but just summer is uh, the season, I guess. But um, we've gone from that on May 14th. They say Famicom Detective Club, two games in that series is coming out. Uh, Famicom Detective Club, uh, The Missing Heir, and Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind. This is a game I'm kind of surprised it's coming over coming over to North America, personally, <laughs> because uh-huh. nobody in North America knows what this game is. Uh, so they said it was a um uh, a remake of classic you know mystery games, uh, in that you know they're redoing the graphics. Um, and everything like that. So it's it's very it's very interesting to me that they're deciding to bring this out over here. So I don't I don't know. Uh, do you know anything about these games? I know about the original games on the the Famicom. Right. Um, I've not played them, uh, but uh, they are kind of cult classics here. Mm. Um, and looking at the way that they've redone it, it, it really reminds me of I don't know if you know the um, Ace Attorney games. Yes. Um, it, it kind of is that style of storytelling. It doesn't have the comedy uh, that those games had, but it, it feels very much like that kind of adventure game. Right. Um, but honestly, I, I'm not really all that interested uh, yeah. in these. Uh, like I said, I think even over here, they're not they're more cult classics than than mainstream. Right. So. Um, I think for a lot of people, it'll be a, <laughs> a pass. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, I'm, I'm just really surprised that it's actually coming out over here. And, uh, those, and these types of games are, are very popular, um, here in the West right now. So maybe that's why they decided to bring it over. I don't know. But, um, uh, going on to another game coming out this summer, uh, Samurai Warriors five. So you're a dynasty warriors guy. But Samurai Warriors is very much in the same vein uh, of game. So you have any thoughts on this? Um, Yeah. Um, I think it looks like kind of an interesting, almost like a reboot. They've really redone uh, the character designs for this game. Yeah. Um, The characters throughout the first four games, they, they, I mean, they get, you know, these, these uh, kind of makeovers and uh, alterations to their clothing or, you know, to their hairstyle. But you can look at the characters and basically know immediately, oh, I know who that person is. You know, with each new iteration, you, you can recognize them immediately. But they've redone the character design so much for this game that when I was first watching it, I was like, 
I mean, you kind of had this idea that it's probably samurai warriors, but I wasn't really sure. And when it was showing like Oda Nobunaga or Akechi Mitsuhide at the beginning, uh, I wasn't completely sure that that's with who they were. And that's like the first time in the Samurai Warriors series that that's ever happened. Right. Uh, they look different enough. They look, I, I'm going to say younger hmm. um, and uh, more rugged uh, than they have in previous installments. Um, and the game itself kind of runs with this. I'm going to say it almost looks like a, sh- like a cell shading effect. Yeah, kind of um, cartoony. Right. And like at the end of their Muso attack, um, it, it, it was like this full blown anime pinup, you know, yeah. that, that flashes across the screen, which is a really fresh look for the series. Uh, now, the gameplay it looks pretty much standard, you know, warrior stuff, but uh, the look of it uh, was definitely a fresh look for the series. And um, I'm probably not going to get this game because like you, like you just mentioned, I'm way more of a Dynasty Warriors fan than a Samurai Warriors fan. The I feel like the Dynasty Warriors games just had a, a lot more, um, maybe more captured uh, what I would expect, you know, that era to feel like. Where the Samurai Warriors added in a lot more pop cultural stuff, uh, more Japanese uh, pop cultural stuff into the character designs uh, that it didn't feel like, you know, I, I, would, I would look at the characters and like, you would not see a character like this in the, in the Sengoku period. Um, but um, so I wasn't as captured by the world from that. Uh, but looking at this reboot, um, this graphical, at least this graphical reboot, I, I would be interested in seeing the Dynasty Warriors series come out in a similar fashion where they, they just kind of completely overhaul the way it looks. Yeah. Cause that series also has got really gotten stale over the years. And then the last one that they released on the PlayStation four really was not successful at all. Um, so it would be cool if they could kind of, take some of the things from the Samurai Warriors uh, um, reboot and uh, apply it to their Dynasty Warriors series. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I think that would be really cool because, like like you said, the, the look was different from what uh, they have before, but at the same time, it looked really good. So I, I think uh, that kind of coming over and translating into the Dynasty Warriors stuff, I think, would be a pretty cool idea. So uh, that's Samurai Warriors 5 coming out in the summer, and now we're coming up to a game that's right up your alley, another RPG with pixel graphics. <laughs> pixel graphics! <laughs> yeah, pixel graphics! So that's uh, Legend of Mana, and that is coming out in June on June 24th. So what are your feelings on this one? Okay, um, well, this was a game that I was not expecting at all. Um but I've been thinking for like years now that man, they just need to re-release Legend of Mana. They don't even need to remake it. You just re-release it as is mm-hmm. uh, on one of the modern uh, systems. Uh, so I've been waiting for this for years. Um, you know, I, I think um, I mean Secret of Mana got a re-release, and it also got a remake. Uh, Seiken Densetsu Three uh, got a remake, which was really awesome. And even the first Seiken Densetsu, which was on the Game Boy, got a re-release for the Switch. Um, but, I mean, Legend of Mana was not anywhere near as popular as, for example, 2 or 3. So, uh, as the years have gone by, I, I was losing hope <laughs> a little bit more each year mm-hmm. uh, that this was ever going to get a release. Um, so, when they made the announcement, uh, I was super excited. Um, I personally loved this game. 
uh, I played this game a lot, I guess, probably when I was in high school. Uh, and I think you even played with me a little bit because yeah, you could do have the co-op mode. Yeah. And it was more uh, of an action of RPG. So, yeah. Right. Very much. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Very much uh, action RPG. Uh, it was one of those games where uh, you played as the guy. So I used the girl character. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and yet another one. Um, uh, probably. Well, at that time, I was already completely fine with that. But uh, anyway. Uh, the game had all these different weapons that you could use and each one had their own, you know, actions and, uh, they had their, uh, different special attacks that you could learn and, uh, the weapon crafting system, um, the quest system, uh, which was fairly new at the time for the action RPG. Um, so it, it was just a, a completely fresh experience. Uh, and I really don't understand why it didn't, uh, do, it wasn't as, as successful, uh, as, uh, for example, Taken Densetsu 2 or 3, um, because uh, I, I thought it was just an excellent game. You know, all the different characters that would join you, the art style was excellent, the music was incredible. Um, speaking of which, Yoko Shimomura, um, the female composer uh, for the Seiken series, uh, is uh, just an incredible composer. She's a, a female composer uh, and has done soundtracks for... Uh, like Breath of Fire, she did some some tracks for Final Fight and Street Fighter. Uh, she did the soundtrack for a really good Japanese-only RPG called Live Alive. Mm. Uh, she did the music for Parasite Eve. Uh, but most of her well-known works, maybe to Western audiences, would be uh, Super Mario RPG and Kingdom Hearts. Yes, Kingdom Hearts. Uh, she was the composer for Kingdom Hearts. So um, very, very good composer. Love the music. Uh, and Legend of Mana is maybe one of her best works um as far as video games go mm. but anyway i i spent tons of hours in high school playing that game and uh, this was not one of the things that was spoiled in the email from nintendo so when i was watching <laughs> the direct and it came up i was like yes <laughs> oh so uh, and i would really like to buy the deluxe edition that you can get from the screen uh, square enix uh store uh-huh. but it's like a hundred it's like 150 dollars which is really? like four times more than the game itself what, what, what's in that um, edition but uh um it's got like a, a it's got the soundtrack it's got an art book i think if i remember right it's got um like a, a stuffed toy uh, a plushie of um one of the little um you know rabbit kind of uh, enemy characters i think that's what it's um but not enough to warrant paying four times the, yeah. <laughs> the price of the game, <laughs> at least not for me. Yeah. Uh, so, oh no, no, it's not. It's not one of the rabbits. It's the little cactus that you talk to to get your quests. Ah. Um, so it's got a plushie of him. Okay. And that's it. It's the art book, the soundtrack, and the plushie. Huh. Um, so. Well, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's Legend of Mana. Do you have anything else to say, or you're, you get it all out? No, that's, uh, like I said, very excited. I'm definitely going to have that game probably on release day. Okay. All right, cool. So that's Legend of Mana, and it'll come out on June 24th. Little Brother is very excited. Uh, Coming up is Monster Hunter Rise on March 26th, and that's very close to release over here. And this is a game I'm actually very excited for. I've I only got into the Monster Hunter series uh, when it came out, when Monster Hunter World came out. Uh, a couple years back. And that was my first serious um, foray into the Monster Hunter 
uh, games. And now with Monster Hunter Rise coming out on Switch, I'm actually look very looking, very much looking forward to this game. Uh, now you have a history of playing Monster Hunter games far longer than me, so uh, what what do you feel about it? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I was intrigued by some of the new monsters. I thought the spider, uh, monster that was introduced in the trailer, uh, looked kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then the fact that like all these monsters are attacking the village, which is something that uh, I hadn't seen in any monster hunter games before. I don't know about world because I never played world. Um, but you know, having played all of the PSP games and the 3DS games and, and on the Wii, uh, it, it, it added some new things that looked intriguing. Um, but I mean, personally, I'm not really sure I want to jump back into the monster hunter universe. Um, I did spend hundreds of hours playing, uh, with friends over here in Japan, Mm. uh, on the PSP uh, primarily and, uh, and just had a blast. But I mean, like, I mean, in hunting in that game, at least in the PSP days, uh, it took so much preparation Mm. and, um, you know, sometimes hunting, actually hunting the monster would take, you know, 30 minutes uh, for a single monster. And after you finish, you're just like, whew, uh, I'm exhausted, you know. <laughs> um, and um, so now I heard that Monster Hunter World really changed uh, a lot and yes. made it more accessible, yes. um, which is actually one reason why it wasn't as successful here in Japan, because a lot of Japanese gamers were like, you've, you've ruined it. Ah. <laughs> um, but I know that it made it access- accessible enough that um, guys think, like uh, me can get know, into it. <laughs> people, right, people outside of Japan uh, could get into it for the first time. Um, but I, yeah, I just don't know if I can muster the energy to, to give it another try. Yeah, I get it. Uh, and right. And none of my friends right now are, are, um, interested in, in monster hunter anymore. So yeah, uh, it might be a pass for me. I don't know. What do you think about it? Well, well, my feelings is that I'm the opposite of you. I have the time and I also have the friends who are going to be playing it. Um, and they did make it a lot more accessible. So having, uh, Having all those things combined, it's uh, it's definitely a game I'm looking forward to doing. They did release the demo, played the demo, had a lot of fun in that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a Gunlands guy, by the way. Uh, so. Oh yeah, I love the Gunlands. Yeah, I mean, there's something about having that shield and just being able to get right in the monster's face. Uh, that that's that's a play style I I really enjoy. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I. I I know Eric's looking forward to it. Ethan's looking forward to it. So we'll probably be uh, monster hunting together when that game comes out. Uh, did you see the special edition console, the special edition Switch they're releasing with it? I did. Um, I'm not in love with it, but um, yeah, it's not a bad design. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's cool. I mean, it's not cool enough to where I'm like, oh, I got to have that one. But, you know. But yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, well, you know, I just, yeah. And you just I bought just that bought um, animal crossing special edition, the animal crossing one. So I'm not in the market for, and, and of <laughs> course that's the best right one now. so far anyway. So, Oh, Oh, I love it. Yeah. I absolutely love the animal crossing one. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah, but yeah. And I would love to join with you guys, uh, you know, hunting, but Oh, the latency, <laughs> the lag would just be, uh, probably unbearable. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a feat. That would definitely be a feat. But right. uh, 
But I, I can't even imagine all the deaths that oh, would oh man uh, that would <laughs> <laughs> result from oh, from man. a lag. Oh yeah, uh, so. yeah. But that's uh, Monster Hunter. It'll be coming out in March 26. And following that, this is a game that I got super excited for, and I was actually talking to Eric about this a little while ago and I literally said I hope they're releasing a Mario Golf game sometime and lo and behold they show us Mario Golf Super Rush in this direct and this is the game that got me that that totally took me by surprise I was I'm not expecting this one bit and when they showed I'm like mm. I was like I was literally like trying not to scream Mario Golf! <laughs> I mean, and then it's like, and then to find out it's coming out in June, on June 25th, uh, exactly. I was just like, wow, that that's uh, that's really soon. So, yeah, I'm super excited for Mario Golf. Uh, I, really, I really liked it on 3DS, but I think the most fun we actually ever had playing Mario Golf was on the Nintendo 64. Right. So, and... You know, now that I think about it, when I was thinking about it, that was when that infamous uh, chair incident happened. We were we were all playing Mario Golf when that happened. I think. Right, it was Mario Golf. Yeah. Um, uh, late night. Yep. Late night. <laughs> A lot of pizza rolls. And that's usually when the Mario Golf uh, gaming went on was late night, like after midnight. Uh, as as high school students were up playing Mario Golf. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had that, um, the incident. Yeah. The, the incident. incident. And that's all we're going to leave that as. <laughs> right. So we, we might want to go in more detail when we've got, um, some other parties that were yeah. present at that, uh, to, to share in that memory together. But, yeah. uh, um, but yeah, uh, Mario golf. So we spent, we spent hours playing, uh, on the, uh, Nintendo 64 and, um, the Game Boy Color actually had a really good Mario Golf game too that had the RPG kind of uh, aspect added to it where you yeah. could raise your own, you know, uh, character. And it looks like that's coming back this time. So uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, I was, as I was watching it, I was like, oh, you know, well, that's Mario Golf where, you know, it, we had it on the 3DS as well. It doesn't look too different. And then suddenly, it just the the trailer just gets really bizarre yeah. when the characters start running down the fairway and using all these special abilities and like attacking each other. Yeah, and I'm like, what? What the heck is this? Yeah, and of course you're <laughs> it's talking just really about, bizarre. Uh, yeah, you're talking about what they call speed golf, and basically right. it's racing. You're basically um, uh, racing to get through the hole holes faster. Uh, than everybody else, and I love I love this idea. <laughs> everybody playing yeah. at the same time, mad rush to get to your ball, and that's something new in golf games, or at least in in my recent in all the golf games I've ever played. You never really got to just roam the green, you know, and go to your ball yeah. and play it. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, that might not be true. I think that that you could do something like that in um. Uh, in the last Hot Shots Golf uh, for PlayStation 4, now that I think about it. I think you could do that. But it wasn't speed golf. I think it was just a free roaming. It wasn't like racing and using superstars. And <laughs> no, it wasn't, it wasn't even a race. It was just kind of free roaming the course and being social. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, this is super appealing to me, and I can't wait to try it out. But, yeah, they're bringing in a story mode uh, into this where you get to create your own me again, uh, your own golfer, mm-hmm. and 
kind of build them up. And uh, I was really surprised to see that they were bringing motion controls uh, into the equation. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that took well, a Well, and surprise. I'm not sure I would ever use those, but I, I definitely can understand it. I mean, they brought out, of course, you had like the Wii Sports Res- Resort and uh, other games in the past that have used motion controls for the golf games. So I think that's a, um, you know, if you've got the, if you've got it available, why not use it, you know, kind of idea. Um, so, and I actually know some dads, <laughs> know some dads in my area that would probably really enjoy oh, okay. <laughs> playing like that. Okay. Um, so. Well, this um, is the thing. Yeah. About, I mean, not even. I mean, this is the thing when, when they talk about motion controls, it's like we, we look at the Joy-Con and we don't really think of it as a motion controller like we do the Wiimotes uh-huh. because that was how that whole system was built around. It was built around motion control uh, being the primary um, way of to play games on the Wii. But when you look at uh, the Joy-Con, it's like you, you really wonder. It's like this feels more like a traditional controller. How much better of a motion c- controller can it be? You know? Right. So... And, you know, we'll probably be talking on that point a little bit later as we get down to talking about uh, the re-release of Skyward Sword. But talking about Mario Golf or just motion controls in general with the with the Joy-Con, I'm interesting to see if how well it actually works, you know. Right. Because it just took so much to get motion controls to work on the Wii. You know, you had the infrared sensor bar and you had to do this and that and it just didn't. You know, just old technology. So we'll see what how how new technology with accelerometers and different things like that uh, help it out. Right. But, yeah, and I mean, it, it might end up being more of just like a novelty, you know, something mm-hmm. just to mess around with, but not actually. If, if you're wanting to really seriously compete, you would never use it. You know, it might end up being something like that. But I, I think, um, <laughs> strangely, I, I think you're looking at two demographics that would really be interested in that. And that's like, you're really, really small kids that can fling the, um, joy cones around, right. uh, or your older, uh, I'm going to say like your middle-aged men, older men that want to have a, more of a real kind of golf like experience. Right. <laughs> Cause I'm telling you, I, I actually have some, uh, friends in, in my area that, um, you know, are, are in the thirties, forties, that I think would really enjoy <laughs> if, okay. if they're, if they're, if they're usable at all, right. um, I would, they would enjoy using the motion controls. Yeah. So. And if they're still in lockdown um, come June, I mean, it might be a godsend. <laughs> yeah. You can, uh, uh, work on your golf swing from home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's Mario golf super rush. It'll be coming out on June 25th. Uh, Knowing Nintendo, though, I mean, you probably cross your fingers and expect a, a, any kind of delay. But anyway, here's open. So real quick, we're going to run through some games here, which uh, may or may not interest you, but I'm just going to go through it. Uh, we have Tales from the Borderlands coming out on March 24th. It's this, this is kind of interesting that it's coming out because I played this, again, on PlayStation uh, 4, and it was a PlayStation Plus game. And it's uh, one of those Telltale uh, games, uh, adventure games, uh, in the vein of like the walking dead, uh, adventure games that they made so popular. Um, so if you're into the borderlands universe, uh, you would probably really like this game. It's all about, you know, it's got that borderlands humor, er everything about it. So if you're into that type of thing, 
you, I mean, it'll be right up your alley. I, I played it. I'm not a Borderlands guy, but I played it, and it was a lot of fun. Made me laugh a lot. So maybe maybe you'd be interested in it or not. I, I'm pretty sure you don't really care much for Borderlands, do you? Yeah, I've never um, never been into those games at all. Um, and, um, yeah, this was not even a game that was in the Japanese version of the Direct. Right. Um, so... Yeah, this is definitely for Western uh, audiences. <laughs> I don't think Borderlands probably goes over real well over there anyway. But um Right. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I'm not yeah. really interested in this one very much. Yeah, but. but uh going back to more pixel graphics, uh we have Capcom Arcade Stadium, which apparently is out now here in North America. Uh this one kind of um this one's interesting. Because at first when they first showed it, I was like Oh, okay, a, cla- a Capcom Classic Arcades collection, right? Well, not really. It's actually only comes with one game when you download it, and that's the uh, top-down, old-school shmup or shoot 'em up 1943. Uh, mm-hmm. You get that for free, but you have to purchase other games in the arcade collection via game packs or individually. So this is basically just a Capcom classic arcade game storefront so right so was this in the in the japanese direct it was and it also released uh right after the direct um just like it did in north america um you know we just talked about final fight the other day yeah oh this is this time it's final fight one with cody and guy and and hagar um i would be interested in playing that right 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 these are all the arcade versions um I think, uh, you know, looking at the list of titles, I, personally, they're going to have to release some different titles in the future for me to get interested because most of the games that were that are included are like, like you're saying, the shmups. Um, uh, and uh, they're just not really my type of game, even though they are pixel graphics. It is retro gaming. But um, now their format for doing it, though, reminds me of the way that Sega uh, released their classic collection like on Steam. Uh, and Steam, uh, the Sega collections, uh, classic collection on Steam did really a similar thing where you could, uh, you know, download what basically turns out to be like their emulator. Um, and then you would have to buy the different games for it either individually or in bundles. Um, so it seems similar to that. Uh, and uh, I, I don't have a problem with that system at all. I think that's you know fine for people that just have a certain game or a few games that they want to play uh, to be able to just pick and choose. So I think that's great. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. Yeah, really. Uh, but like I said, just jot. Right. Oh, I'm sorry, but yeah, really, it's um, uh, it reminds me of uh, um, Zen Pinball. Do you, do you know about this on on the PlayStation? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like those right. games where it's like you have to buy individual tables um, as they come out. So that, right. that, that's pretty much what it reminds me of. Well, and the good thing about it is that, yeah, it does kind of leave the door open for possible, you know, future bundles that they would release. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, right now there's not many titles that I'm interested uh, in. Um, so it'll kind of be a pass. But in the future, there might be some bundles that would be intriguing. Right. And uh, that's out now, the Capcom Arcade Stadium that's out right now. If anybody wants to just go ahead and download that and get yourself some nice, sweet shoot 'em up action on 1943. And uh, 
whatever else the other game you want to buy. Uh, moving on from that, we have Stubbs the Zombie coming out March 16th. Now, that was originally released on Xbox in 2005. So it's an old school uh, Xbox game making its way to a modern Nintendo system. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it it was reviewed fairly well back when it first came out. Um, not having an Xbox myself, never really played it. But there, I guess there's enough people out there who are demanding that it be out uh, in some form or another. So there's that. <laughs> so, yeah. So what what kind of game is that? I obviously I've never played it, but I mean, what kind of genre? Well, basically, um, you play you play as Stubbs, uh, the zombie, obviously, and basically it's uh, you're, if I remember correctly you basically infect other people, turning them into zombies. So you're building your own little zombie army to take over the, the levels or the games or however it was, um, or however, you know, it, it, it was, the gameplay went. So, okay. That, that's probably, so you, so you get to be the zombie. <laughs> yes, you are the zombie and you're infecting everybody okay. versus you trying to kill the zombies. <laughs> so I see, but, um, but yeah, I'm probably oversimplifying it woefully because i never played it yeah never had much you got of all interest. these fanboys out there to like you've got it all wrong yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, and i apologize to anybody who are huge stubs deeply the offended by <laughs> uh, but, you've you know. just lost half of your your <laughs> listeners <laughs> oh no all two of them <laughs> but you know <Right. laughs> but after that we have no more heroes three this is um this is from a series that started back in the Wii, created by the infamous game designer Suda51. Uh, if you know who Suda51 is, then you either know that this game is either for you or it is not for you. But this game is very... The, this, the No More Heroes franchise is a very hard one to explain uh, verbally. <laughs> no More Heroes 3, yeah. It's a game, I think, any of the games in that series... Uh, are are just games that you would have to experience yourself to be able to, uh, yeah, I mean, to explain. It, I mean, they're like hack and slash. They're kind of uh, action adventure. I think is is what is what is actually listed as genre wise. Yeah. But if you actually play those games, I mean, you just have to watch a video of it, and you can see it's not just hack and slash action adventure. It's got some weird stuff in it. I mean, yeah. even just watching the trailer in the direct, he's like mowing the lawn. You know, <laughs> in yeah. One scene. Um. So. Anybody who's not experienced that, um, uh, you know, it's like, what is this game? Yeah, I mean, um, it's got a lot of uh, oh. it's got a lot of charm. It has a lot of character to it, but it has a certain sense of humor and um, style. And I mean, it's an M-rated game, right? Uh, I'm not certain. Yeah, about, yeah, about the. Uh, I, th- I think it was an M-rated game, but. If not, it's still very, very adult in its humor. So if you if you know what this game is, then you, you know whether or not you want it. Yeah, you want it or not. But forgive us if we're not going too far into it. <laughs> but after that, they showed out a game, showed off a game called Neon White, which is slated for winter of this year. Um, this is an indie game being brought out by Annapurna uh, Games Publishing. Uh it, it it looks fairly interesting. It, from the looks of it, it's a first-person uh, 
at first I thought it was a first person on rails sort of shooter with a, like a card battling system to it. But apparently it's more like a uh, first, very fast paced first person uh, platformer. So there's not much information about it going around right now. It, it does look interesting. Um, and using the cards and as you're using the cards, they, they kind of get torn up and, and you, you discard them. So you're having to kind of balance, I guess, how you use those cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's an interesting mechanic. Um, and according to the trailer, I mean, he's constantly moving. So yeah. I think it, it's kind of more on rails shooter kind of a thing. Um, possibly. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm I'm not really into this kind of game anyway, so uh, it might be a pass for me. Yeah, yeah, but it looks kind of interesting. Uh, but yeah, that's out this winter. Uh, after that, they showed DC Superhero Girls Teen Power. Um, it seems to be uh, aimed at a more female audience uh, uh, from the younger <laughs> uh, younger kids group. It looks like it seems to be more like a uh, slice of life sort of life simulator game for uh, kids in middle school. That, that that's what it kind yeah, of it, reads to me. They uh yeah they highlighted some of the more you know uh, social media aspects of the game where she's taking photos to post on on social media. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it definitely does look like it's made to appeal for maybe a younger. Uh, generation. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not throwing any judgment to any grown man out there who thinks this game looks really cool, but you know, <laughs> but I'm <laughs> well, just there saying, goes the other half of your they're listeners. Not, you offended. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, you're not the targeted audience. Let's just face it. Right. <laughs> if, you, if, you're, if you're into it, great. I'm just saying <laughs> the target audience looks to be young yeah. girls in middle school. That, that's what it looks like. We're not me. judging you, but we're judging this is reality. <laughs> face the reality but anyway after that we have uh plants versus zombies battle for neighborville complete edition that's coming out in march 19th and uh it's not and you know you hear the the name plants versus zombies some people might go back to the the mobile game on cell phones the little um uh team uh what do they call those games? Tower Where, Defense. Tower games. Defense, thank you. Uh, they, they think of that Tower Defense style game, but somewhere along the line, they decided to turn into a competitive third-person shooter. So this is what this game is. It's in that third per- competitive third-person shooter uh, genre, and that's coming out. So if you're into Plants vs. Zombies and that sort of thing, then that might appeal to you. Uh, after that, they showed Metopia. Uh, which is coming out May 21st. And this was another one that was kind of surprising. I was not expecting to see Metopia announced for the Switch. Yeah. It origin- it's a game that reminds me of like the, the Mi Plaza from the 3DS. Yes. Yeah, and um, Metopia originally came out on uh, the 3DS back in uh, 2017. So, yeah, I mean, the thing that, the, the, the thing about Metopia that, the whole game kind of hinges on it hinges on you having a lot of me's created, um, it, just created on the Wii or on the 3ds and, or that you've made a lot of friends and you have a lot of their me's on your console. 
And when I think about that mechanic, I'm I'm just like, are there a lot of people with still with a lot of me's hanging around their switches? Yeah. <laughs> Right. And I know a lot of people that don't even realize that you can make a me on the switch because it's kind of buried like in the menu system. Um, so uh, where on the Wii or on the 3DS, the means were kind of a major part of it. Right. They're really just kind of a, a almost like a hidden feature on the switch that, you know, an afterthought. Yeah. Um, but I will say, I think this game probably will be popular over here. Um, in Japan, I, I've got, you know, like my, my children, for example, um, they like to get together with all their friends and they'll go to the local community center or the, they'll go to the park and everybody brings their switch and they play games together. And, um, you know, they like to look at one another's me's, uh, or, you know, for example, in animal crossing, they'll, they'll, you know, go to each other's islands and just see what the other has made. So, I can see this being real popular over here with like, uh, you know, younger generations where when they get together like this, they share their Mii's with one another. You know, you can send them to the different console um, and collect the Mii's from all their friends from school and then take those friends into the Miitopia game and, you know, then use them in the battle uh, system or uh, I guess there's some kind of a relationship building factor to it where you know you have to to you can develop strong bonds with certain friends um, and then if certain friends don't have a good relationship then they like argue with one another in the game right um, and you know so for like for example for my kids now who are in elementary school uh, I can see them really enjoying um, and I know a lot of their friends would enjoy that so while it's nothing that I am at all interested in. I think uh, there is a market for it. Um, the only thing I was really shocked about, though, was the price. Uh, because at least in the Japanese Direct, it was like uh, 5,400 yen, mm. uh, which is about, you know, 50 bucks. And, um, I mean, you think it's almost like a full-priced game at that price point. Uh, um, but when I look at the game, it just reminds me of the Mi Plaza, which I got for free on yeah. the 3DS. So this is just like more like a glorified version of that. So I don't understand who's going to pay 50 bucks for this game um, was my only thought. So that might kind of hold the game back a little bit. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll like, see. Yeah. But like I said, I, I just don't see, you know, it's like unless somebody still is hanging on to their all their friends list from Wii U or something like that. I'm, I just don't, I, I, I just don't see how this game's going to make it, but you know, they really, Nintendo doesn't really have to bring out games to make it, you know, they, they, they can do whatever they want. They have so much. Well, money. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, because this is like a re-release of the 3DS game, I'm sure it didn't really cost that much for development. So mm. even if it doesn't do well, they're probably, Okay, we're 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 back after a little bit of a pause and technical difficulty. So you're uh, talking about uh, the cost of development on Metopia, right? So because it's a remake, I'm sure it didn't really cost that much uh, for development. So uh, even if it doesn't really sell great, they're probably not going to lose much on it. And it's funny because right as I was saying they're not going to lose much on it, I lost you. And <laughs> I lost our connection. So. <laughs> Ooh, Nintendo was like, I don't, don't know put what this that out means. there. What does that mean? Right, yeah. <laughs> don't jinx us. 
so. Yeah, but well, with that being said about Metopia, we're moving on to a little bit of uh, seasonal DLC for Animal Crossing New Horizons, and that is the Mario Mario 35th anniversary theme that is coming out February 25th. So I know you're big in the Animal Crossing scene and collecting stuff. How do you feel about uh, all the new items you get to chase after? Oh, yeah, it's uh, they look the new items look pretty cool. I mean, I'm definitely, um, you know, going to have to to uh, uh, use those um, warp pipes on my island. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, but yeah, uh, not much to say other than the, uh, the new items look cool. I mean, I really hope that eventually they will do a um, uh, an event for like Zelda themed items, which they had done before, like on the 3DS. Um uh, Animal Crossing. So hopefully that will happen in the future. Uh, now that we've got like Mario themed items, but uh, otherwise, um, you know, more items is never a bad thing in in Animal Crossing. Just uh, you know, all the more <laughs> options and potential for uh, different different things that you can create and and um, uh, different themes that you can do on your island. So right. pretty cool. So seeing your island and how just magnificently built it was or is. Do you get anxiety when you see something like this and like, oh man, where am I going to put all this? Um, no, I've got, I mean, I've got a pretty good idea of how I want my island to look. And, you know, you've got your different sectors set up. Like this is the, this is the, uh, um, outdoor cafe and here's your amusement park area. And so whenever new items come up, come out, you know, in your mind, you're just thinking, okay, can I implement these items into one of my already, you know, established sectors or inside of my house somewhere? And would it add to the, uh, I'm going to say the ambiance or the, the, the atmosphere of the, for example, the uh, amusement park area or the game, the, the game arcade area? Um, and if it doesn't, then I usually just buy it and it goes inside my storage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't miss uh, much with, with my mind or, or cause stress. It it's um, gives you an opportunity to, to look at, at potentially new things that you could do with, with already established areas. Now, I know it does cause stress for some people because then they like, end up redoing their entire island to make up a whole new area that's themed using those new items. Uh, there are people out there that are like that, but... Uh, that's just too much work. <laughs> right, <laughs> too much right. work for me. I've got it pretty much set up. You know, it's just improving uh, the already established areas, uh, if possible. And if not, then it, it just goes into storage okay. for my collection. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm so glad you have your your life, your Animal Crossing life, in order. <laughs> it's in order. It's in order. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on from Animal Crossing, I'm going to skip forward a little bit and we'll come back. But uh, since we're on the topic of DLC, uh, they announced Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, uh, the expansion pass, which um, you played Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually playing through, um, through it right now. I've already finished um hyrule warriors the definitive definitive edition uh which was not based on on breath of the wild at all and that was an right. excellent game uh and then age of calamity um is uh really pretty good even if you're not a warriors kind of fan uh there's a lot of things that have been implemented from breath of the wild 
into it. So it feels more like a hybrid between the two kinds of games. Um, so really, really good. And the storytelling in it, it just adds a whole new side of things that you get to see, um, you know, about the relationship between like Link and uh, the four heroes uh, and whatnot. Um, so very good game. Uh, now I will say like, as I was watching this expansion pass uh, announcement, I was just thinking, you know, thank you so much for telling us absolutely nothing because <laughs> there was like nothing in the trailer that showed you anything that, other than what we've already seen, you know, in the games. So right. I was hoping that they would give you at least, you know, one shot of, you know, um, maybe even a hint at what the new character might be or uh, one of the new weapons. And they showed us absolutely nothing except for at the end, gave us this list of the items that were going to be included. Right. Um, so, you know, in the end, I was uh, I was like, well, thanks for nothing. But uh, at least now I know I need to set aside 25 bucks because <laughs> uh, I'll be getting it. But so the uh, expansion pass was 25 bucks in Japan. Yeah, it's, it's 2500 yen. OK, yeah, they um, uh, the, on the North American page, they said it was 1999. Oh, OK, so, hmm. well. Yeah, that's that's about right. I mean, usually that's uh, because right now um, the the exchange rate is uh, uh, it's not what it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's not you know the exact uh, one dollar to one hundred yen anymore. Okay. So um, and usually gaming over here, the price of games is more expensive in Japan anyway. Um, so usually things are priced a little bit higher. Right. Uh, over here right uh, but yeah i mean all i can say from that announcement is it, it it let me know that i need to set aside that money and that's basically all i got from okay. it <laughs> so you are you are getting <laughs> thanks, the expansion thanks for the though. warning yeah oh yeah definitely <laughs> we'll get it yeah okay cool uh, so all right well that's the expansion pass uh it will be released in waves so if you purchase it right now you'll get a bonus purchase of new weapons and costumes for link which will come out on may 28th and then on june that's when you get the first wave of content uh in the expansion pass which includes expanded roster newly added weapon types new challenges in the royal ancient lab newly added challenging uh enemies and then in November, you get wave two of the expansion pass, which is new character vignettes, newly added stages, expanded roster, new battle skills for existing characters, and all of that for nineteen ninety nine here in North America. So if that's something that interests you for High Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, there's that for you for you to consume. So now that we've got those little DLC tidbits out of the way, um, let's talk about Project Triangle Strategy from Square Enix. Now, this game is another game that's just right there, hits you right in the sweet spot. Oh, yeah. Pixel graphics. Pixel graphics. <laughs> Strategy <laughs> RPG. Um, uh, this game was probably the most pleasant surprise of the entire direct. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I, I shared on the last, uh, podcast, uh, that I, I really loved Octopath Traveler with the, what they call the 2d HD it's HD, but it's still done in the old pixel graphics. Right. And I really love that style. Um, and so as soon as the trailer started to play, uh, and, and those, you know, the 2D HD came up on the screen. I was like, oh no, no way. 
oh my gosh uh and i was like just as it's playing out you're just like just take my money now you know <laughs> um i think you know i didn't even get to the trailer completely uh it wasn't even finished yet and i was pulling up the website uh, on my phone to see if i could pre-order it right. um which pre-ordering hasn't started yet so i'm like dang it oh uh, but um you know where octopath traveler was more of a modern pixel graphic game that was based on the classic art jrpg uh, this looks to be you know the modern pixel graphic game that's based on the classic strategy rpg right uh which is also right down you know my uh, uh um, right down my alley as far as uh, gaming interests um so um this game was a complete surprise uh and completely took the crown in in my opinion uh, for the most exciting part of the direct um, so very, very excited about this. Definitely will be pre-ordering it. Now they had announced that um, there was a demo that was out for the game. Yeah. Have you played that demo or have you downloaded it? No, I downloaded it immediately, uh, but I haven't really had the time to, to get into it yet. Okay. Yeah. You're going to have definitely have to let so, me know what you think about it. But, um, I, th- I find it interesting how they're doing, uh, uh, the demo survey, like what they did with Octopath Traveler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I think, uh, I mean, it's the same development team uh similar style you know so um but i think that really worked out for them because octopath was just i mean it ended up being such an excellent game um so um uh i i can understand why they're taking the same approach yeah uh, but yeah. i definitely will be getting into that soon yeah yeah and uh they said it's slated for a 2022 release which is probably why there's no pre-order um available yet <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah Okay, so that was Octo, uh, not Octopath Traveler. Uh, that was Project Triangle Strategy. What do you think the real title for this game is going to be? Oh, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> no idea, but definitely not Project Triangle Strategy. Do you think they could actually like uh, flip flip on us and turn it into a Final Fantasy game? Uh, I don't think so. I think you know Final Fantasy, and and I was going to make some comments about this in just a minute, but Final Fantasy as a series, they are they've gotten into this thing about um you know really just taking steps forward in in the genre as far as better graphics mm-hmm. more action oriented uh more i'm gonna say and i know i know a lot of western gamers might disagree but um they're playing more to what they think the western gamer wants okay um uh, like i said the better graphics and more action and i know there's a lot of western gamers that are like this isn't what we want we were fine with the, the you know with the uh, the mold you know the old jrpg style um but this is what square enix thinks that western gamers want because it's definitely not what japanese gamers want right <laughs> um so uh because this game this new project triangle strategy is being done in the 2d hd it's going back more towards like the original Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, you know that style of gameplay. Uh, it's kind of anti, uh, you know, what they're doing with the Final Fantasy numbered line. So I wouldn't imagine them making this a Final Fantasy title in the end. Right. Uh, now I did see some stuff online where um, people are expecting this to continue the storyline from Octopath Traveler, or at least be be like connected to it in some way. Okay. Um, so it might have uh, something like that in the title. I can't imagine that either because Octopath was all about having the you know the eight characters, and that's why it's Octo. Right, right. <laughs> but um, uh, um, 
but maybe some kind of connection to something from the Octopath Traveler world, you know, like the name of, of the world itself or, um, you know, something that was introduced in that game that would carry it over to the title, title for this game. Right. Uh, but who knows at this point? Like I said, it's still uh, the, at least a year away. Um, so, but definitely something I'll be looking forward to. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Kind of felt like that would be your highlight from uh from this particular direct. But yeah, definitely my favorite part. Yep. Yeah. So moving on from that, we have a Star Wars game, a game called Star Wars Hunters, which is slated for sometime this year. They always just said 2021. And that's being developed by Zynga, um, of all people. Now EA had lost the exclusive rights to making Star Wars video games. And so after they lost that license and uh, everybody, um, you know, heard, heard about it, uh, all of a sudden we heard that Ubisoft is making a Star Wars game. Now we have Zynga here making a Star Wars game. So I guess we can expect more Star Wars games to come from everywhere now. So mm-hmm. not just EA. But <laughs> this was just a strange trailer. I mean, it really didn't show anything. Um, the The Direct just basically said it was... Uh, a third-person action shooter. Uh, it looks to be competitive in some way. So, I don't know. Right, I think it mentioned like four-on-four four gameplay. Yeah, and and really it's like if the trailer was any indication of uh, the uh, what the game's going to look like, I mean, my feeling since this is Zynga, these are the Candy Crush people, right? I'm, I'm <laughs> thinking this is probably going to be a... Um, uh, uh, find its way onto mobile phones uh, <laughs> as well. So possibly some heavy monetization going on with the, with this game. But, yeah. Yeah. It even mentions that it's going to be free to play. And as soon as you hear that, oh, and it's well, Star then, Wars. Yeah, so you're you just go. like, uh Oh, you know, this is not going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Made by Zynga. Yeah. And you know, and this is a modern day Lucasfilm. So yeah. Yeah. That's probably what we're, what we're in for. But after that, they showed out Knockout City, which is coming out May 21st. And this is being brought out by EA. And it's a dodgeball game, oddly enough. Uh-huh. So, And the more I read about it, the more fun it sounds. So uh, I'm hoping people are going to give it a chance. Uh, I'm, I'm of the opinion that more and more games need to come out with demos. And I, games like Knockout City really, really either need to be like free PlayStation Plus games or Xbox uh, games with gold or uh, or on Game Pass or something like that. Because I feel like a game like this, if it just came out and boom, $60, $70 to play. I mean, a game like this, I can find no matter how good it is, uh, could really have a hard time finding its legs, which is a real shame, you know? So uh, we're back. We had a little bit of another technical difficulty, but we got it all fixed up right now. But uh, like like I was saying, though, uh, with Knockout City, um, it really needs a way for people to just try it. So hopefully it's going to be on Xbox Game Pass or there's going to be a demo or something like that for a game like that. Because, you know, like I said, no matter how good of a game it is, if people can't, it's one of those games that people could easily pass over just by looking at it, you know? I mean, right. A lot of games just need you, you, they just need to get their hands on it to really understand it. Now, I will say that, like 
comparing the Japanese and the international directs, um, it got a lot more attention put to it in the international release. In the really? Japanese direct, it was only like a 10 second you know, thing where it just showed a little bit of gameplay and that was it. Uh, in the international direct or the North American direct, um, it had like cameos from, from several different characters, I guess. Uh, nobody that I'm really familiar with, but um, it was quite, you know, a long drawn out um, trailer. I guess it started out with a character from like Warcraft. <clears throat> um, well, it was your, it was your stereotypical um, orc, which could have fit in in any game, really, and your stereotypical soldier who could have fit in CS:GO or Call of Duty. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So I was just wondering, is this going to have like, um, you know, cameos from from characters of of different games? Um, is that going to be a part of it? Uh, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I don't course, think, but I really don't think it is. I think by showing those different characters, they're kind of sh- trying, hopeful, let people key in on the fact that, oh, people who play these types of games that these characters kind of come from would really enjoy our game. It's almost what they were mm-hmm. kind of saying by using these ar- archetypical um, character types. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I definitely agree that this this is a game that I'd have to try out first before I was I'd be willing to <laughs> yeah. pay the money for it. Because most pe- most previews I've read on the game are quite positive, you know, from people who've actually played it. So, you know, hopefully uh this game will actually get a chance. Uh but after that, they have World's End uh World's End Club coming out May 28th. Um don't know much about this game, but it seems to be very heavily story-based, um, mm-hmm. side-scrolling sort of action. Um, so couldn't find much information on it other than that. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if you you have any anything to add from that. Yeah, I don't really know much about it, and just looking at the trailer, it doesn't look like a game that I would be interested in. Um, I mean, it definitely has. I'm going to say like this very Japanese feel to it. You're traveling across different parts of Japan. Um, but, um, I mean, most of the trailer is just of, of these, all these kids that are <laughs> traveling on this bike together or walking through the city together. And that's like the extent of the trailer. So, yeah. uh, it's really hard to get a grasp on, on exactly what kind of game it is. But, mm-hmm. uh, now I'm, I'm kind of interested to see if this was in the Japanese direct, but they, in the North American direct, they, uh, announced a physical release of the game Hades which has been out mm. on uh, the Switch for uh, for a few months now. So yeah. I, was that on the Japanese Direct? No, uh, we are, uh, we're not. It wasn't in the Direct. I don't know if we have a physical release. I don't think we do, um, but it was definitely not in the Japanese Direct. Um, now, I would be interested in, in getting a physical release for this game. Uh, it's just the only major title from Supergiant uh, that I don't have yet. Uh, I've got, you know, Bastion and Transistor and um, uh, Pyre. Um, so I really want to play this game. Yeah. It would be great to have the physical edition, but since Japan's not getting it, I'm probably not going to be able to get it either. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's cool to have it in physical format. Yeah, yeah I, I love Supergiant games and I haven't played it yet myself. And really, I want to play it on 
better hardware because I've heard that the Switch version is kind of uh, framey a little bit, a little stuttery. And uh-huh. in a game like Hades, you know, that's, that's so viscerally action-oriented and almost like a, a shmup in a way, um, I, I really don't want to deal with dropped frames, you know? Sure, yeah. So if I had a PC, then I'd, I'd be playing on that, but I, r- I would really like to see it on a PlayStation 4 or 5, uh, which is probably coming sometime soon down the road, but, you know. Yeah, that might be in future plans as well for yeah. a physical release. Why wouldn't they? As well, I, mean, so. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's money sure. on the table. But um, yeah, they're just not going to mention it in the Nintendo. No, direct, not on the Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's like for instance, like uh, the Fall Guys, like we were talking about earlier. It's getting an Xbox release at the same time this summer. So okay, they didn't mention that on that the Nintendo Direct. So you know, right? Yeah. So Hades might also have a multi-platform release yeah. physically. Yeah. Uh, too. Knows? So yeah, who knows? But. After that, we have the return of Ninja Gaiden in the Ninja Gaiden Master Collection, which is a re-release of Ninja Gaiden Sigma, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden Sigma 2, and Ninja Gaiden 3 Razor's Edge, which are pretty much definitive editions of the Ninja Gaiden games that came out on the original Xbox. So... Yeah, those are those are games that they they have a reputation for being very difficult. Uh, very uh, yeah oh yeah like some of the best action games and they're also in the uh, dead or alive fighting game universe so that that's really interesting so i don't know if i'll pick that one up right. or not but it's definitely the kind of action game that i really like so so it's also coming to yeah, playstation not- and xbox as well so it's not just on switch yeah I, i'm probably not going to be picking this game up either um although as you mentioned, I am a, a huge fan of these characters because they're in the Dead or Alive universe. Um, and uh, you know, as I was watching the trailer, I was just thinking I, I would really be excited if they were announcing a new Dead or Alive game. But <laughs> um, uh, unfortunately, it's Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I'll probably uh, take a pass on that one. Okay. And now moving on to another game that's you're on your list. Uh, you have Bravely Default 2 coming out February 26th. Yeah, this week. You're right. That is nice. <laughs> that is this week, isn't it? It's like, wow, is it really February? <laughs> uh, late February already? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. But anyway, Bravely Default 2, uh, what are your thoughts? Okay, so this is a game that also I'm, I'm super excited about. I mean, I wasn't surprised by anything because this is a game we've known was coming out. Uh, and I've had this game pre-ordered since pre-orders became available uh, for this game. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, this was the, the third game that was mentioned in the Japanese Direct. And uh, as I went back and watched the U.S. Direct, uh, I kept waiting and waiting. And Bravely Default 2 was not showing up. And like 35 minutes in, and there's still no Bravely Default 2. And so I was sitting there thinking what is, is this game not getting a North American release yet? Uh, which really sucks because there's a lot of things that I want to say about this game. And if it's not in the U S <laughs> direct, then I can't say those things. Uh, and then it finally came up and I was like, yes, yes, I can talk about bravely default too. <clears throat> so like I said, I've had this game pre-ordered since pre-orders released uh, or were, were open. Yeah, like spring uh, but of last bravely year default. Or something? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. Um, Bravely Default, Bravely Default, 
uh, for the sequel, which was a Japanese-only release. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Bravely Second. Yeah, it was um, it was based off the international release, and then it added even more. Okay. Um, so it was yeah, it was called Bravely Default for the sequel, and uh, and then Bravely Second uh, were some of the best RPGs that were available on the 3DS. And, um, you know, just as I mentioned, uh, both earlier in this podcast and in the last podcast, I, I really am not on board with the direction that Final Fantasy has been going for mm. the past several years. Like, I mean, it feels like they're trying to cater to Western gamers, but Western gamers don't really appear to be happy with it either. So it's just kind of like they've lost their way. Mm. Um, trying to be something that they're not, you know. But when I look at Bravely Default <clears throat> and it as a series, I'm like, this is really what Final Fantasy should have become, uh, because these games capture the spirit of the old, you know, SNES early uh, PlayStation Final Fantasy games uh, more than any of the Final Fantasy games that have released probably since probably since twelve. Um, and, you know, you, you still have crystals, you have, you know, this, uh, the classes, uh, the job system like you had in Final Fantasy V or Final Fantasy III. Uh, you know, someone just needs to add in Moogles and Chocobos and let's just make this officially a Final Fantasy series, you know, because it just has that spirit. And it actually is a series that was meant to originally be part of the Final Fantasy world, huh. um, albeit a, a Gaiden or in other words, a, a side story to Final Fantasy. Right. Um, so on the original DS, they created a game called uh, Final Fantasy Heroes of Light, I think. I don't remember the, the English title exactly, uh, but uh, in Japanese it was called like the Four Heroes of Light, Final Fantasy Gaiden, which Gaiden means side story. Right. Uh, and the reason they called it Gaiden, uh, or a side story, was because their main numbered line of Final Fantasy games was, as I said, you know, st taking steps into the future being released on next-gen hardware. They had a focus on good graphics and more action and, you know, exploring different kinds of game mechanics. And that's where the numbered games were evolving. They were changing. Uh, but they wanted to make a game that actually took a step back and was more, you know, akin to the old-school formula. Uh, it could be an ode to what the old Final Fantasies were. Uh, they wanted to make, like, this old-school FF, um, so they labeled it as a side story rather than as one of their main titles. <clears throat> and it was really modeled after Final Fantasy III or V uh, with the job systems. Uh, and the game was actually pretty good. Um, and so they began working on a 3DS sequel to it. And uh, at some point they just decided, well, let's just scrap the Final Fantasy part of it and give it its own branding. And thus the, the game turned into Bravely Default. Huh. Um, so it actually was born out of a desire to keep Final Fantasy in its old school roots. Interesting. Um, and um, so in my humble opinion, you know, the Bravely Default series is, is more true to the Final Fantasy spirit than, you know, Final Fantasy 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, or whatever, you know. Uh, it just happens to be called by a different name now. Okay. Um, so... <clears throat> Now, I was confused at first as to why they were naming it Bravely Default 2, uh, because we've already got Bravely Default, or we've got Bravely Second on the 3DS, which was a direct sequel to Bravely Default, and it was set a couple years after the original game. But um, after doing some checking online, apparently the creative team behind Bravely uh, Default and the Bravely series felt like Bravely Second uh, on the 3DS it didn't see the kind of success that they were expecting it would have. 
Um, so instead of having a series that had a continuing storyline, which is what they originally wanted to do, that all the games would just have this continu- continuing storyline, since that didn't work like they thought it was going to do, they said, let's just change gears and we'll make it like the Final Fantasy games will always were, where each new game is a completely new story, completely new characters. They're not connected to each other in any way. They just have that same kind of spirit, same similar gameplay mechanics, uh, similar feel, uh, but totally different story. So let's take that approach. And so now that we're taking that approach and it's not a continued storyline anymore, then um, we'll, we'll change the name to Bravely Default 2 um, instead of 3. Um, so they're kind of ignoring the fact that Bravely Second was <laughs> released almost. It's like retroconning it. Huh. Um, so, um, but either way, uh, the game looks awesome. Um, I love the job systems uh, from games like Bravely Default or Final Fantasy V. Um, looks like they've got some really good stuff in this one coming out. And um, yeah, I'll be getting this game later this week. Um, it'll be coming out on Friday. Uh, for for Japan, okay. and um, admittedly, it'll probably sit on my shelf for a little bit before it gets played. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, I don't play anything unless it's been out five years. Yep. You know? <laughs> um, but it'll be on my shelf this Friday. It'll be on my shelf. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned all that stuff about it being related to the Final Fantasy series because I always felt when looking at it, it's like I always felt like you know what this would fit in right with the Crystal Chronicles kind of world. Yeah, it, it has a similar feel. I mean, you know, the, the almost childlike appearance of the characters, the cute, very cute style. Um, you know, the worlds might have some similarities to it, but uh, any similarities that it has with any of the Final Fantasy games is, I'm going to say, it's 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 not unintentional. I mean, it was right. meant to be originally part of the Final Fantasy world. Okay. Um, so, and like I said, in my opinion, it's more <laughs> true to the Final Fantasy spirit uh, than than any of these newer games that have been coming out on the Final Fantasy name. Okay. Uh, so, very excited. All right. Well, moving on to another game that um, you're also looking forward to is Saga Frontier Remastered. Yeah. Um, so you know we've we've been seeing all these Final Fantasy games get remakes. We've seen you know the Seiken Densetsu series get remakes. Dragon Quest has gotten remastered remakes, re-releases, uh, and now, so now they're moving on to the Saga series. So we've seen Romancing Saga, like 1, 2, and 3. Uh, the Saga games for the Game Boy have gotten remakes or re-releases. Uh, and so next in line is uh, Saga Frontier, uh, which is a game that uh, I have actually not played yet. So I played all the Romancing Saga games and the Saga games on the Game Boy. Uh, but when Saga Frontier came out originally on the PlayStation, uh, it was touted as having an open world, what they called the free scenario system, <clears throat> which is completely nonlinear uh, storytelling. And uh, and at that time, I was really just not interested in that kind of storytelling because I wanted my stories in RPGs to be really focused and to to kind of drive forward, uh, more or less be on rails, you know, all heading towards the next point in the story. Uh, and I'd always felt that you know having the open world experience kind of watered down your your narrative you know it gave you more exploration which i know a lot of gamers wanted but i was more into you know following the main storyline and so when they brought this game out i was like eh, 
I think I'm going to have to pass. I'm just not ready to jump into an open world game yet. Yeah. Um, but of course, now that I've gotten older and, and experienced a lot of good open world games, I'd really like to go back and try this game now. So um, uh, it's intriguing. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely be considering uh, uh, making a playthrough uh, okay. this time. Cool. All right, so uh, was and uh, that's coming out April fifteenth. So that's another game that's uh, kind of right around the corner uh, here. So, and speaking of right around the corner, they also announced Ghost and Goblins Reg- Resurrection, which is coming out February twenty fifth. Uh, now, Ghost and Goblins is a classic, classic game, arcade game, known to be hard as nails. That's what its reputation mostly is. But this is a modern reimagining of the Ghost and Goblins game, uh, that first game. And it's introducing some interesting things. Uh, They're introducing co-op. So another player can almost play like an assist character that can uh, help defend uh, the main character or make bridges or, you know, just traversal. Uh, or anything like that, which is pretty interesting. And then you have uh, definitely much more modernization uh, added into the game where they're adding in uh, multiple difficulty levels, like intermediate and things like that. So I'm sure Ghosts and Goblins purists are all fists in the air. How dare you? And stuff like that. And it's like, this game must be experienced uh, <laughs> on the hardest difficulty or whatever. But... Right. The difficulty was the best part. Exactly. It's like, you're not getting the real experience. But, you know. Well, and that's why they have the Capcom Classics Arcade Collection now. So So you can actually play that. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's coming out February 25th, like we said, day before uh, Bravely Default, and uh, two. And then they announced uh, Apex Legends is actually coming out on March 9th on the Switch. This game is already out on all the other platforms known to man except for mobile. But um, yeah, that game is coming out and it will have full cross-platform play. So that means if you're a new Switch user who's never used, uh, well, who's never played Apex Legends at all, uh, it is a Battle Royale, uh, three, uh, three person, three team, three person per team Battle Royale. And if you go in there, um, and you play cross-platform, uh, don't expect to have a good time. <laughs> you're just going you're gonna <laughs> yeah. to get, get completely wiped out <laughs> so quickly. So if there's an option to turn off cross-platform play, I recommend turning it off and just playing uh, people on the Switch <laughs> until you get some, yeah, I, get some I experience. Yeah, I can't imagine... I, I can't imagine, uh, well, even just a switch in and of itself, I, I'm not, I, I think it's at a disadvantage when it comes to the platforms and, and cross, cross platform play. Um, so if you have, uh, the capability of it, you might want to try it on a different system. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, for sure. And, uh, I'm going to skip over Legend of Zelda and, uh, go straight to, Spl- not, not, not permanently. We're just going to save it for last. <laughs> we're going to save it for the best, but we're saving the best for last. So, uh, they, at the very end of the direct, they had, um, shown off Splatoon three, which is very surprising. I didn't think we were going to get another yeah. Splatoon uh, anytime soon. And I just rhymed right there, but, <laughs> but yeah. I, I I played the first two games, really enjoyed them, loved it, 
didn't stick with them because I didn't have anybody to play Splatoon with, so that wasn't very fun. Not that Nintendo was making it very easy to actually play with friends or, or you know, or a community of any kind. But, but yeah, I, I was really surprised and very pleasantly surprised that they actually uh, uh, made that announcement. So, yeah. I, I think that was, yeah, I mean, it was huge for a lot of people. I know just watching some initial, like, reaction videos on YouTube, I mean, it, it blew people's minds. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, uh, you had, you had uh, people screaming and some people crying. And uh, I think there's a huge uh, release uh, announcement. Um, now, it's not coming out until next year, but definitely gave a lot of gamers something to be looking forward to. Uh, now, I personally have not played any of the Splatoon games, um, and similar to what you mentioned, like I don't really have anybody around me that is into the Splatoon games, um, so you know nobody to play with. Um, but um, uh, of course, saying that all of my kids' friends are really into the Splatoon games, but I just can't see myself. <laughs> you know, I'm going to play with my kids' friends online. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This is a. Uh, I don't have anybody my age, you know, that that is playing Splatoon. Yeah. Um, so it might be a pass for me. But again, I know this is huge news and, and good for, for any Splatoon fans out there. Good for you. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be, uh, it looks looks like it's going to be pretty, yeah. pretty awesome. It is an extremely underrated game. And it really is kind of disappointing for me that, um, that Nintendo has to be so backwards and behind the times when it comes to internet. Um, play and you know uh communities and just allowing people to join up and to just make friends or to just play in your existing communities you know so hopefully hopefully, you know nintendo will will you know loosen up a little bit by the time splatoon 3 comes out and it'll be a much better experience so here's hoping so i guess that means we've come to the final game that we haven't talked about yet. And that is the big one. That is Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. And it is coming out July 16th. So this game has been rumored on and off again ever since the Wii, ever, ever since the Switch came out. This game has been rumored in some form or another from various different sources to be to have been in development or um, just in existence somewhere within Nintendo. And now it's finally happened. And yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. I think uh, a lot of people as, um, uh, you know, a, a, Mr. Mr. AG, uh, was on the screen sharing, you know, well, we don't have any news about breath of the wild two that mm-hmm. we can share with you now. Uh, we apologize. And there was just this, probably this collective sigh that went ar- around the internet. Just this groan. Ah, give us something. <laughs> and then he's like, well, but I do have this to show you. And, and me personally, I was like, yeah, you know, because, um, I love this game. I know, I know this is, uh, I'm going to say one of the the uh, most criticized. It's one of the uh, most polarizing games. games in the series. Right. Uh, because of the motion controls. But I think it gets way more hate than it deserves. Um, and, um, you know, every time I've gone back to play that game again, it's like these motion controls are not that bad. I mean, it's 
they're not great. It's not like the best experience you've ever had, but um, to get the kind of hate that it gets on the internet, it is just completely unwarranted. Um, uh, so uh, now this was another one that was completely spoiled though for me because it was right in the email. <laughs> oh, okay. As soon as you open it up, Skyward Sword HD, and you're like, aww. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, unlike many people out there, apparently, uh, I really did enjoy this game. I, I hated the main villain for it with his long, you know, mm. disgusting tongue and, uh, you know, prancing around. But, um, and it had some weird stuff in it, you know, like that. I don't even remember the, um, I mean, it was absolutely hideous. This, uh, uh, octopus hair Medusa style kind of boss, um, in that, um, like the sunken ship dungeon out in the uh, the desert, I guess it was. Uh, Do you remember that? It's like this giant. It's this giant monster that had a one big eye, and octopus like hair. Um, I can't remember what it was called. Yeah, I'm, it, it, it's 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 bringing up an image in my head, but it's a vague one. But uh, let's see. It was in the sand ship. It was called Tentalus, and um, yeah, it, it was just this uh, cyclops slash Medusa kind of boss that just looked horrible and i hated that boss and that bat, that that whole fight uh with the boss um but i thought this looks like it should be from a completely different game it just didn't really fit at all yeah. <clears throat> but other than that i really loved the world i lo- i mean i thought it was a beautiful world um i loved the story about you know how these are the kind of the roots the original uh link and zelda um I really enjoyed using that stupid little flying beetle that you could, that you could use. Mm, yeah. Um, and, um, uh, it's funny cause my kids absolutely hate that thing in smash bros. Um, because it's an, it's a usable item in smash bros and you throw it and it just flies straight out and catches somebody. And then it takes them up, up, up off the screen right. until they're, until they're knocked out. And my kids don't know how to escape from it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so as soon as you use it, it's like insta kill. Right. So they hate that thing. Um, but, uh, I really enjoyed using that from the game and, uh, you know, some of the items and the puzzles, um, the dungeons were really good. Um, so, uh, definitely looking forward to playing it again on the switch. And, uh, and I am intrigued by the non-motion controls, you know, just the, the controller, uh, right. setup that they've added into the game. Uh, yeah. Uh, mapping the slashing of the sword to the right analog stick, it, it's a, it's a pretty good solution right there, you know? I mean, just flick it in a direction where you want to go. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a, I think that was a good compromise right there. But going back to yeah. motion controls, um, you know, using the two Joy-Con right there, like I said before for Mario Golf, and how good can these Joy-Cons be in tracking, you know? Because uh-huh. even the Wii, uh, the, Wii, the Wii remote had a little add-on, uh, you know, to put on the end of it, which was an extra gyroscope to make it more accurate. So with the advancement of the, all this technology, is it going to be better? You know, will it be better? Right. And mm-hmm. then my other thought is, you know, that, that left, um, joy con that you're going to be using, it's definitely not going to be as comfortable as the Wii nunchuck <laughs> ever was. So you're going to wonder, Ooh, I wonder how that's going to feel holding that hand moving around. So, that's well, a, that's and, the other thing I'm thinking about. Yeah, 
I think for me though, I've gotten, I mean, I've spent enough time on the Switch and I usually play with the Joy-Cons um, separate, um, one in each hand, which is how you would play um, uh, Skyward Sword. Mm. Um, so I don't have any problem holding it like that. Uh, but like I do, I do, I do agree, you know, we're going to have to see how accurate they are in their movements because that even with the Wii mote on the Wii, um, there were some really messed up moments where, you know, it's like, I, I know I'm slashing diagonally, but it's not going diagonally, you right. know, and, and then you die and you're like, crap, I've never died in a Zelda game before. And I've died now. Thank you. Motion controls. I hate you, you know, but, um, you know, and, and I mean, there were those moments, um, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see if the switch Joy-Con are any better than that. Hopefully they are, but if not, you've got this new, you know, um, uh, control method. So, uh, maybe that will, yeah, uh, and I think that solve was, any issues. I as think well, that was the so. other complaint about uh, just Skyward Sword was the fact that it was you, you, to really play it, you had to be standing. <laughs> you know, you really couldn't be sitting down playing that game. I mean, it was very difficult uh, to do some of the motions when you're sitting. So I think that was another reason why people really didn't much like uh, playing that game. But. Well. Um, I didn't have any problems sitting playing it, but maybe yeah. I'm just talented like that. <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? But um, I, I can see how people could have an issue with that. Uh, but yeah. going back to Joy-Con, they showed Wider. off some uh, Skyward Sword-themed uh, Joy-Con, which looked really cool. Yeah, uh, I like the theme Joy-Cons. Uh, I like how they've, they've patterned them after, you know, one of them is patterned after the shield and one after the Master Sword. Uh, they look pretty good. Um, so unfortunately I've, of course I've got two sets now of the animal crossing joy Con because uh, I bought them separately before I bought the themed system. Um, so now I've got two sets and, uh, we just don't need any more joy Con in my house right now. Um, and unfortunately the joy Con are expensive, uh, expensive enough that, you know, I'm not just going to say, Oh yeah, we need more for the collection. Let's just, uh, let's just pick those right up. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> an investment so uh unfortunately i'm probably gonna have to pass on those this time but they do look really cool well for me i have my original joy con from when i bought the console and i am suffering for some from some horrible joy con drift and i have Uh, been for a long time the dreaded drift so these couldn't have come around at any better time so the big question though is will i be able to get a hold of them (laughs) with um (laughs) You see, the problem is, is that they made a release date announcement for July 16th. If these go on pre-order anytime between now and then, I don't think I'm going to be able to get and get a pre-order for a pair um, and possibly not even get a pair because of the stupid scalping going on these days. Hmm. You know, and these are going to be scalped to death. I just know they are. So unless these actually get become available in store, um, I'm probably not going to be able to get a pair, unfortunately. But I am going to endeavor to try. I am going to try. I well, was able to get um, a PS5, five, so <laughs> you can't get them unless you try. <laughs> right, right. You just got to believe, right? Just got to believe. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. Actually, you know, over here in Japan, they are up for pre-order and um if you go like on amazon um 
it's it's just your scalpers. You know, it's just people that are selling it at a way higher price point. Right. Uh, but you can go onto the official Nintendo store and um, pre-order them. Uh, oh, I never even thought about so, that. <clears throat> yeah, I should do that. So, yeah, that might be something to look into. Um, yes, I will do that right when I get off of here. I'm going to do it. So, yeah. Because right now it's like there's a page up uh, on the North American sites. There's a page up for the GameStop. Uh, there was a page up for Best Buy, and uh, then there was a page up. Uh, well, there isn't a page even for the North American Amazon site. So, so yeah. I mean, at, at one point they did report that they were up for pre-order, and then they went down real quick. So uh, I don't know what the pre-order situation is for that. But if I can get them at the Nintendo store, I will definitely, uh, I will definitely put down the deposit for that. So yeah, thanks for that tip. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, yeah. If you can get them, uh, they they look really awesome. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I'm in need. So this isn't just a this isn't just a collection thing. This is a, I really need new Joy-Con. <laughs> right. And if I'm going to get a pair, get get an awesome one. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, and they're not any more expensive than just the standard colors. So you know, uh, definitely the choice uh, to to go with if 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 you're able to get one. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I was able to put my pre-order in for the game, uh, for the physical copy of the game. Okay. Uh, I, I pre-ordered it like immediately after watching the direct, uh, right. it was an instant, insta buy sort of a thing. So, okay. <clears throat> yeah. So, so if there's anybody out there that, that is hesitant, um, for somebody who's played all the Zelda games, uh, you, you need to give it a try. You need to open your heart and uh, <laughs> allow yourself to experience something different and, and have an open mind now because one, it really is a good game. Yeah. Now, one thing I found kind of interesting was how um, it, how A.G. Aonuma said, um, pointed out that certain mechanics in Skyward Sword um, may, kind of made it through to the breath of the wild, you know, pointing out the cell cloth, um, the stamina bar, uh, collecting items to upgrade gear. I thought that was an interesting for interesting for him to point that out saying, you know, it's like, yeah, all that stuff you, uh, in uh, breath of the wild, you know, I mean, uh, it was, it was here first. So, uh, you might want to see where it all came from, huh? you know, where it all began, you know? <laughs> right. Kind of like that, and that was yeah. Odd. Those things; those were all things that people complained about with Skyward Sword. Right. But they didn't complain about so much with Breath of the Wild. And right. so he's just like, you know, now that you've played Breath of the Wild, you need to go back and look at Skyward Sword and realize it wasn't all that bad. Yeah, yeah, hypocrites. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, I actually saw a couple of different YouTubers that made the same comment. It's like, why is he need, feeling the need to explain this? Why is he defending this? Um, but all those streamers and, and YouTubers were, of course, fans already of Skyward Sword. So right. they didn't have a problem with it. But apparently there were enough people out there that hated it that he he felt the need to make a point of it in this direct. Right. So, uh, yeah. But, um, yeah. So that that was pretty much the last game uh that was shown off in the direct uh so we made it we 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 gone through those are our reactions Yay. yeah so one one last thing here though is i think we need to talk about just briefly about what wasn't shown because i think that speaks pretty loudly uh just as loudly about what was shown and pretty much kind of you know uh 
kind of, kind of tells you why some people were kind of disappointed uh, with this direct. And you obviously you have Breath of the Wild two being a no show, but they did say that they're going to be talking about that later this year. Um, I still wouldn't be surprised if this game ended up being you know the the big holiday game this year for Nintendo. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if it ended up getting delayed again. So <laughs> there's that. But um, also there was Metroid Prime Four that was a no show, and that that was announced couple years years back now you know you had that teaser image and then all of a sudden you find out that namco wasn't it wasn't the, the developer anymore that it was going back to retro and and then it's like retro was hiring for development of the game and all those things because mm-hmm. let's face it retro studios isn't the retro studios that made those metroid prime games you know I mean, they've been making Donkey Kong games for the past couple of years. <laughs> right. And they were really, really good Donkey Kong Country games. I mean, anybody who, who are kind of hating on Retro for making Donkey Kong Country games, play those games. They're really good games uh, in the Donkey Kong series. Uh, but then you also have Bayonetta 3, which uh, was announced, but kind of has gone kind of dark though the director keeps on coming out every now and then say uh you know kind of saying we're still working on it it's gonna be a while but we're working on it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then sometimes he'll come out it's like well we might be talking about it this year or something like that so those are those are the three bms that i can think of that were not shown in the direct that i think a lot of people were hoping that they would find more information about you know Right. Well, and I think uh, um, you know, like Mario Kart was another game that oh, some that people too, were yeah. hoping might be announced uh, and didn't get an announcement. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, fans of those games for sure uh, would, you know, were probably disappointed. Um, but I, I think you, you can't underestimate the effect that COVID-19 has had on development for some of these games. And still affecting um, Right, exactly. So, and right now in Japan, we, you know, we're in another state of emergency, so things are are moving again at a slower pace. Um, and uh, so, any of these games that are being developed here in Japan, uh, international gamers need to understand that we've got a lot more restrictions over here right now. Um, so it will continue to be slow uh, for a while. So yeah, uh, and then when you think about you know, anyway. you really have to think about the the reality of the living situation over there for many of these studios, uh, student people working for these studios, because it's like the, the, like over here in North America, those people, they have home offices they can go to or spaces over in Japan. They're lucky if they even have, have like two bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the people with the home offices and stuff, they, they're like on the major executive levels and stuff like that. Or their their management or their leads. I mean, just yeah, your lower level, you know, game designers and and whatnot. And it, it's I'm sure it's very difficult for them to continue their work at home, of course. Uh, and most of the work for for larger companies like that right now is all you know just a remote working from home. So um, it's definitely going to affect um, uh, you know the development for these games. So I think anything that wasn't announced people are just going to have to calm down and, and be a little bit more patient because we're just facing very unique and, and extreme circumstances right now. 
So yep. let's yeah. focus on the good things. You know, what games were announced that you're excited about? And <laughs> think happy thoughts. What are you talking about? That's not what the internet's for. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are happy thoughts? Happy thoughts. <laughs> I don't need no happy that's, thoughts. That's foreign to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be happy. I want to be happy. I'm going to air my grievances right now. <laughs> yeah. But, yep, those are our, but, yeah, those are our reactions to the Nintendo Direct that happened uh, just uh, this past week. Uh, John, thank you for coming on and uh, doing this with me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, not at all. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I'm back on the show so quickly. It's yeah, me like, too. I wasn't expecting that, but <laughs> yeah, it just worked out like that. Yep. So. Yep. I like it. <laughs> hopefully, uh, yeah, and hopefully we'll have you back on sooner rather than later. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I've got to tell you, with the the games that were released, uh, that were announced and uh, uh, on this direct was like. Oh my gosh, I am so glad you're here because I couldn't talk on any of these RPGs on my own. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, like I said, for for me and for I'm going to say for more of the Japanese gamer out there, um, or the you know the um, uh, more old school RPG fans, um, it, this was uh, an excellent <laughs> this is an excellent direct. Like I said, there's four games right off the top of my head that I'm going to have day one. Um, and I couldn't be any happier uh, with the unveiling of the next Smash Bros. character. And then, of course, Saga Frontier is very intriguing. So um, uh, a lot to be happy about uh, for this uh, direct for a gamer like me. So Yep. And uh, I'd say there's, an, there's a lot there for a lot of people. They just have to be, you know, content with the fact that they're not the big banging uh, titles that, you know, that they were hoping to hoping that were going to be announced or any big surprises like Master Chief and Smash or something like that, you know? <laughs> Which, yeah, makes absolutely zero sense to me, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so does Ryu you got and Chun-Li in Fortnite. So, you know. <laughs> right. Well... I mean, you know how weird it is to see Ryu and, and Chun-Li shooting guns? It ain't right. <laughs> it, it just ain't right. <laughs> and, I, and I am a big Street Fighter fan, and I don't like it. <laughs> don't like it one bit. <laughs> well, I don't like Fortnite one bit, so it doesn't... <laughs> so... Yeah. Well, anyway, that has this has been the uh, LO Gaming Podcast and our reactions to the Nintendo Direct. John, thank you for coming on again. And uh, I hope you get a happy on yep. sooner rather than later, like I said before. I keep on saying that. <laughs> Yeah, this is our second outro. <laughs> this is our second outro. I'm repeating myself real bad, but, you know. Thank you all for coming along on the ride with us. And it was a lot of fun, and I hope you'll join us next time for the LO Gaming Podcast, whenever that might happen. So, we'll see you later. See ya.